What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua, and welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. I got to tell you, uh, today is going to be, I don't even know. <laughs> I have no clue what to tell you about what this broadcast will be, because if it's anything like the conversations that I have in private and even publicly on Twitter with my friend, uh, I, I, you might want to sit down for this. You might want to have a glass of wine, um, have some camel meat, milk, camel milk tea, something, some calming agent. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be what I, I, I can. I don't even know what to say, except for the fact that um, it's going to piss off some people that I'm talking to Tony, but Tony's my friend. I'm going to call him a friend. We've never met, but I'll tell you one thing. I've never had more honest conversations with anybody in my entire life other than my wife. And those, that's a different type of honesty. That said, um, you know, ever since we started diving down this world and fell into the world of human trafficking, not, we're not human, we're not trafficking humans. But we fell into this world of people that are claiming to be survivors and claiming to be rescuers and all this other stuff. And it wasn't my intention at the time to get caught up in this world, even with it hitting home for me personally. Uh, you guys know my story, but you don't know the full picture because I've talked before about someone very close to me being trafficked and all that. And I'm not going to go into who that is. But the fact is this. There's a lot of people in this world that are pretending to be good guys, and they're not. My wife and I were deceived by one of the these people, and I'm not going to give her credit and say her name right now because I don't want you to Google her. Um, but through that, we discovered a lot more people that were pretending to be good and are not. And this gentleman that's coming on today has been very, very instrumental in helping me detect BS how to ask the right questions because I think I always thought I knew how to ask good questions, but then there's another level of things. And one of the things that it stuck out to me, and I'm going to say this before I, before I play the intro video and bring Tony on, I don't even know Tony's last name. It doesn't matter. Tony dark, zero dark, Tony, Tony D it's got a lot of nicknames, but he's been through it himself. And, and I'll let him talk about whatever he wants to talk about. But one of the things that Tony said to me, and it stuck out, and it has been very, very impactful in my life. I can think back over the years, words that were given to me by different people that stuck and helped and made a huge difference in my life. And, and Tony has done the same thing for me. And I, it's as obvious as it seems, it's not obvious to everyone else. But when I say it, you're going to be like, yeah, no kidding. But do we do it? And that is... The people that are saying that they're good guys, the people that are talking good, you know, claiming to do this and that and be heroic, even the people that pretend to be wealthy on social media. Those are the ones that you need to question more than the ones that you have your doubts about. The ones that are like, I don't know, they're a little screwed up, a little crazy. There's a good chance they're just really screwed up and crazy. But the ones that are pretending to be the heroes and saving children and all that other stuff, we need to scrutinize them more than anybody else. And he's right. And ever since I've applied this to my life, it's like the veil keeps falling away and falling away and falling away. 
The reason why I said that this is going to piss some people off that I'm having Tony on my show, and by the way, don't care, um, is because Tony calls people out. He calls them on their stuff. He calls me out. The only difference is these other people like to block him and run away. I can take it. And I don't mind being questioned because with my intention is to always tell the truth. Everyone else doesn't like the questions. And he has a way of getting to the core of that and exposing that and really rattling people because he will rattle you. He's, I, I, I've seen him do it to people on social media, and he's even rattled me before um, just because you don't always know where he's coming from. That said, whatever his exterior is and whatever his impression is to other people and those of you watching on social media right now, whatever platform, um, those of you that know Tony and you don't know me, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, but I, I will say this, that Tony has, has proven to be somebody that I, I like to imagine this. I can, I can see Tony's angel wings sitting at a bar, even though he's sober, <laughs> smoking a cigarette. I don't even know if he smokes, but I just picture him like this. I can see his angel wings and he's a little roughed up, tattoos, and he's just been through it. And, and the reason why I have this image in my head is because sometimes the good guys have to be a little nasty. Sometimes the good guys out there, their methods you don't necessarily agree with, but at the core of what they're doing matters. And I believe what Tony does matters. So with that said, I, I'm going to play the commercial now and, and get into this. And I don't know what to expect, but Tony's a survivor himself. And Tony deals with some real stuff. He's seen some things that would probably cause most people to want to put a bullet in their brain. But I have been blessed to get to know him. I know his heart. And whatever he, the things that comes out of his mouth can be really shocking sometimes and sometimes offensive. I don't care. I've gotten to know Tony's heart. And he's somebody that I can truly say that I'm blessed to know. And you guys, I think you're going to love him too. Especially my uh, the audience that likes the edgier material. You're, you're going to be in for a treat. So, all right, I'm going to I'm going to shut up now because I want to hear Tony talk and not myself. We'll be right back after this.
want the finer things, the diamond rings, designer jeans, all minor things in the wider scheme. But at what cost to realize your dreams? Been bleeding in the wheel more, put the crown of thorns on, spill more. My mic bloody, cause I kill more. But I'm still poor. Bottom is where I started, but I get to the top and park it. Plug up in a harlot, my battery need charging. And to reach my target is the illest in the market. It's some liquid from my arteries, but spill onto the carpet, yeah. Everybody want fame, nobody wanna work for it. Want them all to know your name, don't wanna see no hurt for it. You want it for the red carpet, the red carpet, the red. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Joshua T. Berglund, and this is a not spoken word. <laughs> it's my other show, a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, listen, he's one of the, the most interesting interviewers I've ever heard. He is definitely a personality. Um, he he asks tough questions, and at the same time, I think he speaks everything that he speaks about. He's speaking from a place of personal experience, and, and I, there's something to me that's really, really special about that. I don't think that he pretends to be anything he's not. And frankly, uh, again, I've learned a ton from him, and I'm grateful uh, to call him a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, I don't even know what to call him, Zero Dark, Tony, Tony D. How many nicknames do you have, man? Um, you know, most people know me as the doctor. <laughs> what? The doctor? Yeah, uh, uh, what was that movie? It was a uh, Billy Crystal movie with, uh, with De Niro. About him being a psychiatrist. Anyway. Oh, what was that called? Yeah, and that's a speech he gave. Consiglieri, you want a fresh one? <laughs> How's everybody doing? That. Greetings You're an encyclopedia of movies. What's that? I forgot to say that you were a former retired rock star, too. Correct. Which is definitely Correct. fitting of your personality. Oh, well, you know, I've done I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older now. You know, and... Uh, I got to say that I'm no less um, affected. I'm no less angered. I'm no less um, frustrated by, you know, seeing some of the things that you were talking about in the intro there. Some of the people that, you know, you got me heated up already. You got the engines going. It's like, just shit. Yeah, man. Um, can I, can I <laughs> curse on your network just in case it slips out? You can curse. It's okay. Okay, cool. You you, my, you may offend my mother, but that's okay. Uh, okay. I, she uh, heard you know, Jason Cisneros. I'm going to so try. Yeah, I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try not to because my mom's going to watch too. Um, Hi, mom. Hey. <laughs> so, um, mom, Oreo smoothie now. <laughs> um, that is a good movie. That is. That is. So, you know, when you're talking about some of these, look, I just saw a tweet the other day and I'm just going to cut right to it because I saw it and I got to say something about it, about the, uh, what's her name with the, the, the devil girl with the, the Jesse, 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 Jesse Zebatar. Oh, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All I could say is people like this, I mean, I saw a tweet that said she claimed that there were. You know, this is just what we see all the time, dude. We this is what we see. This is what catches our eye, right? When we're when we're looking, when 
when we're looking in our feeds and we're looking at, okay, so what, what is this community kind of, you know, and then every once in a while, this community just pops its head up, you know, and it's like, we need money, <laughs> you know, and, and you start to hear stories of 36,000 ritual murders from the time one was four to 10. Well, let's look at that for a second. Let's look at that statement. That would be an average of 16 murders a day was this when did, did you have breakfast <laughs> then there were like four you know and then you'd go for the lunch time and then they'd really lay them on after that because you've you know you've had two meals already you know and, and then by the time dinner hits by the time dinner hits that's another 12 that you had by dinner then you go back you know and you relax and 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 you know, you sleep on your bed of nails uh, with the with the rest of the of the, um, the demonically in, inducted children. I mean, which happens, is, by the way. Yes, it does happen. It does happen. But, but they I weren't fucking there. <laughs> right. And that's what's offensive. Now, do I doubt that some of these people have experienced some very severe trauma of some sort? I don't doubt that at all. And. You know, look, I wish nobody any harm of any kind, you know, I mean, maybe like maybe like walk into a screen, you know what I mean? Like, I wish that person <laughs> would walk into a screen. That's about as far as I go now. I used to go a lot further. But right. but, you know, when I when I question something or I look at something and it rubs me the wrong way, I'm the type of person that I, I, I got to say something, you know, I, I can't. And you do. You've called me out. Yeah, I was, I was, I was ribbing you a little bit, but, uh, but I, but here's the thing though. I do appreciate that. And I value that in you know. friendships. <laughs> yeah. it, it hold my feet to the fire. Cause I want to be held accountable. Cause one thing that happens on social media, especially Twitter is that you can get real loose with the retreats and, you know, and, and liking stuff and, and it, but you can, it's easy to get sloppy and, and also it's easy to get caught up in some of the stuff that you're reading and you forget to go, wait a second, how is this statistically possible? Mm -hmm. And it can happen. And, and one thing that you've helped me do is be able to step back long enough to go, something's not right here. Right. Whether it's the, uh, you know, whether it's something about the math or the money or, or something that has been heard before, because a lot of these, you know, different, individuals are involved in a, in in these larger schemes whether it's some kind of tour or whether it's some kind of you know there was one where everybody had like a website that it was some patriot thing and everybody would buy stuff there i'm sure that's still there and oh yeah you know look making money online there's nothing wrong with it nothing but if you're somebody who comes on and you've made several hundred thousand dollars, but you keep calling stuff and the goalpost has to get moved and moved and moved. I don't know. I, th I don't want to, I'm, I'm not talking about canceling anybody, but definitely, you know, you go in the penalty box for like five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, some kind of, if, if you're, if you're just clearly lying for money, I don't like that. You know? because well, a lot of people are being preyed upon with that because there's a lot of people that are bleeding hearts and just want to help and mm -hmm. that's how we fell into it 
being completely naive that we'll we'll just say Madison's name. Mm -hmm. I mean, we I was at an event with her that we produced and and got to meet her and we were around her and we I mean we spent a lot of time together over you know two days and then became friends and just completely naive and all we wanted to do was help and, and here's the thing that was really tricked me i in my experience especially with you know you know being online and broadcasting and doing the stuff that we do we get a lot of people that want to use us for stuff uh she never did that like she just want she helped she put us over to use a wrestling term more than no one else had ever done that she was the first person to go hey you need to pay attention to what they're doing. It matters. Oh, put the, she put work. she put you she put you on is what you mean. Yeah. Okay. So like I'm in full gratitude. My wife, like, oh my gosh. Everybody, like, that's the difference between the Midwest and the West Coast. Okay, they put you over like it's some sort of fencing, like you know <laughs> that there's some sort of livestock involved. Okay, that's the Midwest. In California, they put you on. All right, that's just yeah. the difference right there. And uh, they have pop. We don't. There's no pop here. There's no, no. pop in California. What do you, is it soda? Or, I've, lived soda. In, I've lived in California. Soda. Only the Midwest soda. people call it pop. But I, I, grew up I digress. Calling, I would call Dr. Pepper Coke. <laughs> like, I'm going to drink a Coke. but So what kind of Coke are you going to get? Uh, Sprite. <laughs> Root beer. Yeah, the, the, I don't know the, where that started. Uh, I just remember I've spent time uh, in the Midwest and, uh, you know, what a beautiful, what a beautiful place. I mean, I, definitely I'm in California right now and a lot of people are like, oh, California. I mean, you know, the only thing I see now is that a couple people are still wearing the masks. That's what I'm on. I'm, and they're wearing them outside. Okay, so a couple people are still wearing them outside in their car. And, uh, you know, today I was at uh, the the Vallarta, the Mexican market. Right. Love this place. Uh, anyway, they make all the fresh uh, tortillas and all that stuff. Anyway, I go in there and there's just a lady with her, her kids and they she had a mask. And it was like, what are those Russian dolls called that you pull yeah, open? The, the, the it, it looked like that, that you put inside the. Yeah. It looked like that, but with <laughs> with the masks on, and and probably not Russian. Not Russian at all. No, they would go. They there's another there's another market that they would go to that's close that I also go to because you know I, I'm I'm someone I also have a a cooking channel, the Rockstar Kitchen. Anybody can go see that. Uh, Twitter, you know, I'm, I I don't have enough uh, follow uh, subs yet on YouTube, but you know we're getting warmed up. We're just getting it started. I just made my first meatball recipe. And now I realize I have to go back and redo the whole thing because I saw somebody else do one. I was like, oh, no, that's good. I have to steal that technique. You're and, you know, Italian. yeah, <laughs> it's like I mean, I did meatballs. I did sun-dried tomatoes. Hey, I saw your sun-dried tomatoes. though. Those looked amazing. Yeah, man. And, you know, you don't actually sun-dry them in the sun. <laughs> you, you do them in the oven. But what I... But what I do is I'm in California. You walk outside, you hold the tray up out in the sun for like 30, 40 seconds. Boom. Now the sun dried. That's exactly what I do. What? I, I give them some of the energy of the sun, man. They're sun dried tomatoes. You got to put them out in the sun for at least a, a few seconds for them to be legit. 
if you're oh, driving because I, I drive in the oven. Yeah. How did we end up here? This is why there. I, I, when I opened the show, I'm like, I have no idea what we're going to talk about because every one of our conversations, mm -hmm. it, it does the it same thing. It goes to a million that, places. It goes that way. And it goes that way. Oh, it's exhausting, but I love it. I love For these conversations. Sure. Well, okay. one of the things one of the things that I'm working on, or do you have do you have something to you have a, no, you have a talking point? Well, okay, no, I was just saying one of the go. things one of the things I'm looking at doing is I'm doing a series coming up on um, elite and royal inbreeding. It's going to be separate, okay? So elite inbreeding is going to be a different series than the royal inbreeding because you're not just talking about <laughs> you know uh, Spanish King Charles II. Or um, can I pull a picture up in here? Yeah, I can. Hold on. Yeah. Let me share. Let me see if I can share. You got to see this guy. Okay. Now, what they had was this. Um, it, they were the Habsburg uh, sort of uh, clan, royal family. Marie Antoinette was the last one of the Habsburgs. Interestingly enough. So what they had through their inbreeding was this jaw. See this here? Can you see this jawline? Oh, I have to pull this over. Now I can see it. Okay. See this jawline that they had? That's that's a that's a a, a painting of Charles II. <clears throat> so this guy couldn't eat. His tongue, he had problems with his tongue, like all the inbreeding that was done historically before him with like Joanna of Castile and, you know, uh, Queen Maria of Portugal and all these things that go back through Europe have now brought themselves to places like the UK and all over Europe where when you start to look now, you start to find that inbreeding is... Uh, uh, or marrying, you know, marrying is is not inbreeding. It's called uh, consanguinity. Is marrying the a person who you're related to. It's called consanguinity, right? Uh, but the actual act of breeding, the incest and the inbreeding, has gone on for centuries. It doesn't just go on with royal families. This this goes on, and I'm going to cover the Rothschilds, the Duponts. Okay. And if people know about the DuPonts, the DuPonts are the people who planted the financial seeds for the Bidens. They are war profiteers. They are families of war profiteers. That's essentially why you see all this stuff with Hunter and the family getting involved in all these bioweapons labs and all these weapons deals and weapons, 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 because they are war profiteers that that their roots started back in the in the 1700s in in France and then uh, after that in the French Revolution when they escaped so the duponts escaped they were gunpowder manufacturers they came to the states settled in Delaware and lo and behold they find a young 29 year old Joe Biden right who gets elected to public office. And then what happens? With his $40,000 salary, he buys a multi-million dollar mansion. From who? The DuPonts. Let's smash cut to when Bo Biden was alive. Joe's son, the heir apparent 
And now you're going to see all through that time when the DuPonts basically provided, uh, and then later on, along with the deals that Joe Biden made, making money with explosives, chemicals, gunpowder sales, right? The DuPont brand. So they were the first ones to make, you know, good bombs and missiles and things. They have been involved in in the financing of every single war. That has been out there. There is no gunpowder without DuPont. Anywhere in the world, mind you. Weapons, uh, chemical, mass, dist- whatever they are, they do not happen without DuPont. Okay? DuPont, and you could look this up. You could look up how Joe <coughs> Biden was purchasing real estate from them. You could also look up on the CIA website how the DuPonts are actually listed in the declassified section as, quote, satanic royalty. Now, ipso facto, everything that one could assume becomes much more, the the validity quotient raises quite a bit when you start to add some of these factors. So now we're talking about things that we could actually look through history and prove, right? And now the DuPont's going all the way back to France and then it comes to the Revolutionary War. And that's when you're talking about King George uh, of England and the House of Hanover. These people were buying, you know, the same gunpowder. The British and the Americans are buying the same product. Okay, so that's when you see DuPont being always on the list of one of those companies that is involved in on those big maps that you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of those companies are DuPont companies. Wow. Because they are the they're the chemical they're the biochemical branch of what one could classify as the Illuminati. Like factually, like I like I could I could prove that with documents, but also you could look them up yourself because they're very easy to find. It, it's not like you have to go very far. Is that an example of how the bloodlines? I, I, there was a young girl that was able. She like it was a high school project or something where she connected all of the bloodlines and basically found that pretty much every president's related. Is this is this where the incest comes in, or is it something else? Well, that's very possible. Uh, that's very possible. I, I don't know how she did that, so I can't I can't say you know that's true. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I and, and and it's similar that some of the presidents, you know, by by proxy, are also related yeah. to some Hollywood people, right? Like like Brad Pitt and that 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 map that you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, without, I don't know where she got her research. That's all I could say, but, you know, I, I can't say she's wrong, but I can't say she's right. But I could say that she raised some very interesting questions in, in what has happened because these are all European bloodlines. And if we want to talk about, uh, you know, um, 
Hawaii and Obama and that side, you know, that was uh, that was King Rama the fifth. No, no, that wasn't. That was uh, that was that was the Philippines. OK, yeah, this was um, uh, Princess Princess Nainea, Nainena, Nahinena, Princess Nainena. Right. So this was like, you know, she this was in the early 1800s. She was accused of incest. Um, and the missionaries were really upset about it. So they kicked her out of the church and it was all about, you know, she was romantically linked to her brother who, who was King Kamehameha the third. Right. So there is, there are, there are incestual accusations along those Polynesian bloodlines as well. This is not just European. This is there. This is, this is, you know, this is where my people are from, you know, like the Roman empire. You know, um, Caligula, Nero, right? And then you have people like King Rama, um, who had five, uh, five wives or something like that. And he, he only could be in public with one of them. And it was like a real young one. She was like 50. Was, you know, the stories are crazy that you hear. Uh, and then there's also the musicians. And you'll see some of these in some of the shorts that I have on my... Um, YouTube, some of the artists and musicians who were involved with underage women like Ted Nugent and, uh, you know, the guys from Aerosmith. And I mean, the guys from Elvis. Aerosmith because it's not just one Elvis, um, you know, Elvis being friends with Jimmy Savile. Hmm. Um, that dude's a creep. I watched yeah. the documentary and then went down that wormhole. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Savile was gross but he he would be able to walk right inside the palace now talk about you want to talk about inbred bloodlines uh you know you got you got these are people that are related to king george you know i mean king george the third was you know like he's king of england man like he's like they're it's it's their relative like they have inbreeding in the in the castle right now and if you're wondering how take a look at prince charles fucking ears and his head take a look at his ears and his head i'm just telling you look i'm no doctor or uh paleontologist or whatever but that dude's head looks a little fucked up to me so, you know and when i when i worked at trump's polo club when i was a kid prince charles was there and he was a weird looking. I was like 13 years old, dude. I, it was my first job. I'm shoveling stalls, bringing the ponies around, putting the saddles on them. You know, I was kind of, you know, I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing, but I learned fast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then Trump would come out sometimes and he never I never saw him get on a horse or anything. But um, Steve Wynn was a member there. Um, a lot of the guys that were in the casino business were there. So Prince Charles came one day and you know what, dude, I can't, it's, it's almost like, and this was Trump. It was Harris Trump polo club. It was like a, 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 a thing. Cause it was right near Atlantic city. It was in Smithville, New Jersey. I was there. My mom knows I was there. You know, my aunt Clara knows I was there pretty much everybody else. In my family's dad that knows I was there, but they knew I was there and they're still alive. So point being, <laughs> that I can't really find anything about this on the internet and I've searched for it and I can only see these little blurbs and everything 
of the Harris Trump Polo Club, like Harris and Trump Casino did like a collab on a polo club. It was in like the early 80s. And I have not been able to find anything in particular, especially Prince Charles visits there. And that to me is very, very unusual. So right there, I feel like that's being scrubbed for some reason. And I don't know why, because there should be way more stories about that. I mean, there were two of the most famous polo players in the world were there. Uh, Alfonso and Gonzalo Pierdes. The, they're Dominican. They were Dominican or Argentinian, one of the two. I can't remember. But they actually taught me. They just liked me. You know what I mean? Because I didn't bother them because I didn't know who they were. I didn't yeah. give a sh- I didn't know who, but everybody else there knew who they were and kissed their ass. And I, you know, I was, I was a young kid. I didn't know who the, fu- I didn't give a shit. Like, I don't care who these guys are. And there was this cage there. And it's, it's basically um, a cage where they put a wooden horse inside this cage and you can sit on it with a polo stick and people drop the balls in and you could, hit the ball like a coach would drop balls into this cage and you'd hit with the polo mallet right so you hit the balls like and you can go over on the other side this side backside but you know they could drop the balls into like four different points around the thing and uh you know one day they're like um do you want to go in the key right do you want to go in the key you don't understand what, bro. Do you want to go in the cage? <laughs> Is what he said. Do you want to go in the cage? <laughs> so I'm like, I heard that they were like really good at the polo. And it kind of looked badass to me, you know? And I was like, all right, this is like the shit they play with like people's heads and stuff, like Persian warriors. This is some deep, I'm, I'm getting into some deep shit with these homies, right? <laughs> I'm learning something like super voodoo, crazy, you know, polo magic stuff. You know, I was a kid. I didn't know. Um, Still had that fantastic imagination attached to the reality that I am shoveling shit. (laughs) (laughs) And sleeping on a bales of fucking hay for a living. All right. (laughs) But it helped me. It helped me. And every once in a while, my boss would be like, you know, let's, you know, we'll take you down to the hotel and, you know, you get to hang out and have a couple days like of some cool time. But for the rest, you get a blanket, you sleep on the hay bales, you wake up with the horses, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And then there was like a locker room where everybody would shower and have their locker and get ready and stuff, you know, whenever you would bother to shower. Anyway, <laughs> I, I was like, I, I was basically, uh, a feral child raised by horses, essentially. Your mom's watching. You can't say that. <laughs> well, you know, it was for the summer. And like, I know. When, when you're, when you're away from home, you do learn a lot. And you grow up quite a bit. You know, she's, she's uh sorry, mom. Um, she's going to be like, no meatballs for you next week. Oh my God. I'll eat, I'll eat his share. That's right. Just send them to Minnesota. Oh, listen, she will drive. She will pack them in dry ice and send them. Um, So, you know, seeing a lot of that stuff, just like, you know, uh, knowing that that is not there. And, you know, then when I was a kid, I I was, you know, this is sort of how I sort of got these, you know, ideas of, of something was wrong. 
I saw the Bigfoot footage. You know that Bigfoot? I was like, I must have been like four, living in Michigan. It was like, you know, it was like right after the wild, the wide, wide, wide world of sports, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Yeah. And then they had the commercial that would come on that would be like, almost like, you know, it was like this show. I don't know. I don't think it was Nightline. I don't think Nightline's that old. I'm not sure. But it had that urgency, you know? And then I saw this Bigfoot thing walk across the screen. I forget the name of the guys who made the footage, but, you know, whatever. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I saw that. And then, you know, several years later, I was walking by this construction site and it was right after John Lennon got killed. And uh, I saw a spray painted like a stencil on one of those construction trailers that they make like an office, you know, yeah, on, the, yeah. on the site. And on the side of it, it was spray painted. I think I was like 10 or 11 years old because he was killed in like 1980. So I must have been 10 or 11. And it said uh, the CIA killed John Lennon. And I was like 10 or 11. I was like, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> you yeah, know what right. I mean? And I'm like, and I'm like, and then, and, but they did it in red paint and it kind of dripped down like blood. And this image is seared in my mind, you know? And that's when I started to realize that something was really wrong. <laughs> if somebody would do that, why? That was my question. Why would somebody do that? And I never mentioned it to anybody. I just started to look it up. And then I, you know, mentioned it to some people a little bit here and there later. Some of them brushed it off and then some of them were like, oh, no, let me show you this Kennedy shit. <laughs> you know? And then it was later on in my life when computers came out, so I was able to see that stuff. You know? And then when I saw the the secret service agent get waved off of Kennedy in that turn. And now I realize, you know, there's a lot of different thing and I believe something different happened now, but I did see that secret service agent get waved off and, and, and the guy go like this, you know, he, he put his arms out like that. He's like, what are you doing? You know? Wow. And, uh, that's what I really, really started to go. And then into, you know, just some deep different, alternative types of knowledge and and you know I, I had um, people in my life that were very much conspiracy theorists uh early on i mean they've been around for a long time and how uh, did conspiracy spread back then like when you're talking about because when i for me i got interested in the singularity and, you know, basically man merging with machine and all that after seeing the Terminator when I was a kid. Like, mm -hmm. that's when my brain goes, this is a this is a documentary. This is really going to happen. Like, I was convinced that this is where we were heading when I saw the Terminator the first time. And I can go into all of my stories. That's what perked me up to things. But there wasn't the information wasn't super easy to find back then. Now it's in the internet, which, you know, half of it's fake or more of it's fake. But how back then were these theories and these, uh, well, yeah, these theories, how were they question. being passed around? 
Well, you know, there are a lot of books that were out. Uh, I do remember one in particular that, um, you know, if, if you put this on any platform, I, I would edit out what I'm about to say. Any any other, you know, platform that is... Um, um, I know what you're saying. Commercialized in a network fashion. It was called the, it was, uh, it was a book called the Anarchist Cookbook. Yeah. That was another one that was, you know, one of those old school things. It was along those lines. And also a lot of the, of these conspiracy theories were in the mercenary magazines like Soldier of Fortune. I, I always, you know, I had, there was a newsstand near me in, 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 in town and I would always used to go there and I'd read the magazines and shoplift and steal money from from there. You know, look, I was a kid. I was I was a, I was a street kid. You know what I mean? Who was who was living in uh, a nice neighborhood, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just for a little brief part <laughs> of my life. And 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 and, and you know, them crackers is slow. So that's all <laughs> I got to say. They're slow. They can't see nothing. So, you know, and that's, I would read some of these, um, but, but these were the magazines that were like special order. Okay. So there was a section inside, but I was able to come inside and hang out, eat the, you know, and I guess by stealing, okay. Yeah. Maybe I stole some money once or twice, but it was mostly just eating Swedish fish and reading the magazines with our friend there. So we were stealing, but you know, it's not like I was making a killing at the place, you know, it wasn't robbing it like that, except when that one time. But anyway, the, (laughs) the, um, the magazines, soldier of fortune, all those mercenary magazines. Um, and then there were just some ones that I'd never seen before and haven't seen since these, um, all kinds of, of military based, you know, things all over the magazine that I didn't understand at the time. And I don't quite remember the images cause I wasn't paying attention enough. I do have a bit of a photographic memory, but I wasn't paying attention yeah. to stuff like that. It would, it would have been something more advanced. So it looked like some kind of special order. And it was in, in stuff like that, you know, you could find it in, uh, in, you know, you could find people talking about stuff in like all kinds of different, um, you know, uh, digests <laughs> and, and, yeah, yeah, and things yeah. like this, you know? Uh, I love the skateboarding magazines because I, when I was growing up, I remember the trapper keepers that they had and, you know, people put stickers on them or they drew. And I used to sit next to, you know, the wannabe gangbangers. <laughs> they could have been real, I guess. I don't know. But we were in a pretty much upper class white, you know, area. So I don't really think they were banging. Anyway, but also like the anarchist. So you mentioned the anarchist cookbook. I remember that. But the skateboard magazines had all the weird voodoo, evil. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was the first wormhole that I went down as deep as I could go. And I was really drawn to the. Oh, man. Oh, damn. And a lot of those heavy metal, a lot of the heavy metal magazines and stuff, too. Thrasher and. Like Metal uh, Hammer, yeah, and, you know, 
And you know, it's weird because I'm watching, it's, it's funny you should say that because it, I think you and I were talking about Cream Magazine the other day, yeah. which is an old school rock magazine. And they are now having, um, <laughs> they have monetized John Hinckley fucking Jr. While I was sitting there wondering where my monetization was, he's, he's collected money from YouTube when a when a psych team is monitoring he wasn't even fully released yet so now what happened was he had somebody representing him which was probably part of his shrink team now he has an email where you could reach him directly you know you got to interview him i've tried he he won't come on with me he won't come on with anybody who's not major network guy or somebody with you know like a million subs who could somehow have people help listen to it. this guy hasn't earned anything you know and all i would ask is look look john when you were when you were in and you were locked up in this in the mental hospital which is where he was for a long time then they released him with uh conditions now he is on he is a completely free man today okay he has no no conditions whatsoever he's a bush Anyway, anyway, do you think he really spent time in the mental hospital then if he's a Bush? Let me get to that in a second. Okay. Cause <laughs> all right. Cause what I'm about to say is that's serious. And what I'm going to say is funny. So I'm going to do the funny okay. first. All right. all right. So the funny is that, <laughs> that, the question would be, John, if you're in there and like you're playing your guitar and you're you're doing once a week with the boys, you know, when they're like licking the windows. I mean, that counts. That counts, bro. <laughs> but other than that, OK, you haven't earned shit. So don't come out of here uh, 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 thinking that you are going to move right into uh, a Paisley Palace and, and start the. Uh, you know, dropping uh, your hits onto Madison Square Garden, bro. You, nobody's gonna, who is gonna fucking book this guy? Nobody's, first of all, the nuttiest of the nutty are going to pay to see him. I mean, the most crazy people, <clears throat> right? Yeah, but you would go see Manson, wouldn't you? No. You wouldn't? Like we, no, dude, we used, we used to rehearse right next to him. For them, I, you know, I always think that we're the same age, and we're clearly not. I'm 52. Yeah, and nine years older than me. Yeah, I'm, I got a couple. I got a couple years on you. But the you uh, first next to Manson. Yeah, but Marilyn Manson. Yeah, Marilyn. Man I'm gonna tell you a quick story too. Let me tell you. No, something. Charles Manson, not Marilyn Manson. Oh, Charles Manson. Okay. No, didn't rehearse next to Charles Manson. But oh, damn, it's like, really right. funny that you should say that. Because I just hold on, where the f I gotta find. I it. saw Manson, Charles, not Charles, Marilyn in concert. <laughs> See, now you're confusing. Still me. have nightmares from that. All right, is it this one? Are you popping yeah. something up? Yeah. I don't see it yet. Hold on. Tell me when you've done it. <laughs> Hold on. I've never done like a hang conversation like this. It's like farting around, searching the internet, 
<laughs> well, you know, the time. No team in sight. This is kind of, you know, look, this is kind of how I like roll with the live stream. Sometimes it comes up, you know? It's, it's hey, just I, there. I'm actually kind of digging it, so it's fine. Okay, what does Sweet. it say? All right, hold on a second. Wait, that's not it. Don't put that one up. I got oh. to put, put up a different one. About to play Charles Manson on the broadcast. No, I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you were mentioning him, and, and, and he's somebody that I'm about to cover, but it was him in 1993. You know, so what you're seeing, the fuck my hearing. Oh, um, what you're seeing is him in 1993, and you really get a sense of, wow, this is probably the craziest person that you will Explain ever see. Explain to me, though, I'm not dumb. Explain to me simply. This is Diane Sawyer. Why that house that night? Why the I house? House. which night? The house on Cello Drive, the, the Tate House. Why did they go there that night? Uh, because Tex had been there before, and he went to a familiar place. And why did they kill people that night? What did they think uh, they because, were doing uh, for you? They freaked the out, world? man. They, uh, Tex was stoned. He went, you know, he got everybody was loaded, man. He said he wasn't. He said he was coming off an LASD tour. <clears throat> he had a little speed. A little speed. Well, not around me. He didn't have no speed because I wouldn't allow no speed on that ranch. I kick ass over there. around me. I take a little grass, a little LSD, but none of that is destructive. Any, you can ask any of them other girls that'll tell you the, the other side of this game. Uh, I don't play. Uh, I don't play drugs. So there, you know, basically you see, you know, just Whoa. he is purely a madman. I'm going to be doing a video on him. And also, uh, you know, <laughs> I had uh, one of the things that got me kicked off. I mean, you know, look. I started to do this. I really like had an idea for like a cooking channel and everything. And then I started to see some shit and I, I know some stuff and, you know, I've been in Hollywood a long time and I started to see some people just sort of like bullshit around with some of the, some of the QAnon stuff. And, and then I just saw it become like this money-making thing. And, you know, I don't know if you've uh, had this happen before, but I've had some people come and, you know, make me little offers and this and that. And, you know, like if you say this, that, or the other thing, you know, or, 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 or say something about this or that, you know, like I'm not, you know, look, if I like it, I, I will do some kind of paid proper sponsorship deal. If I like something and I think it's good, like wild have, chips. Have you ever had these things, man? W I L D E. They're like potato chips, but they're made of chicken. What man? What? I got to check them out. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to eat healthier. Yeah. You so know, anyway, it gets harder to keep the weight. <laughs> kids, yeah, but the kids won't know the difference. I got a bunch of protein in them anyway. They're called wild with it. That's something that I would. I have uh, to check this out. Yeah. Do you have anything that you would be uh, interested in having sponsor you because you actually use it and enjoy it? I don't know what sponsorships you have now or whatever your deals you're working or this or that, but. You know, if this is a tricky question, we can go on to the next one. No, it's not a tricky question at all. Actually, um, <clears throat> I don't believe in promoting anything I don't own. And I, yeah, and I, that's when good. I first got into this, I learned about affiliates and sponsorships and I did all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I was very fortunate. I was a, <laughs> so uh, after getting hurt playing college football, I didn't make it past the summer, but I got hurt and became a what, cheerleader. What position did you play? Linebacker. Yeah. And, uh, I never played hockey. I played. I mean, I mean, uh, football. I played soccer, hockey, and lacrosse. Oh, nice! Those are cool sports. Um, but I, when I got into cheerleading, 
I got to do a lot of really cool things. So one of when I moved to Florida and South, I was in South Florida. Uh, we got to do a lot of stuff in Miami, and I got to meet Master P. I was a backup dancer in his son uh, Little Romeo's video. Uh, it take or it was called Take Two, and uh, Rob Bass's. It was a remake of the Rob Bass song. It takes two. Do you know one of the guys that actually for uh for the Podstar X thing that I have? Yeah. One of the guys that I have on my roster that I manage their channel is a guy who was a mediator on the um Dr. Phil show. He's a professional, you know, legal mediator. Yeah. And he's friends with Master P. And he actually interviewed Master P. And I feel like he's one of those guys that's just not involved in any of that dirty, crazy rap shit. Not, I wanted yeah. to smoke pot with him so bad. I was a punk college kid, and I was just like thinking about getting high and all that. But instead, I got a business lesson from him. And I wasn't in media, never been an actor, never did any of that yet. Not Had no entertainment aspirations at all, other than wanting to be a talk show host. Mm -hmm. but I didn't think it was possible then. Anyway, he his philosophy on the music industry and business in general really had an impression on me. And then, of course, when uh, Nipsey Hussle came out, he was a student of Master P, from what I understand, but they had the same philosophy. Own it all. Correct. What you create, own. So why I is like, I YouTube is great. I use YouTube all the time, but why I don't so much care about our success on YouTube is because we have our own network. And so while I do understand products and I've had my own products, made my own products, distributed my own products, uh, helped other people make products, I that's how I got into the entertainment industry was having a skincare line that opened those doors. So now, as great as it would be to have someone say, hey, we'll give you $10,000 a month for this and all that, that's great. Unless if I could get a piece of the action, in other words, own it, I wouldn't get involved in it. And I know that right. that sounds crazy, but no, I really want you to be part. Why wouldn't you want to be own every everything I talk about? We want. Why to. wouldn't you want to be a part of growth that you've created? I mean, that's just business one on one. You make sure that you get, you know, some of the back end of what you're doing. That's the if benefit. I, but the other thing too with sponsorships, and I ran into this when I first started. Uh, with my first show, when I started treating a Facebook Live like it was a TV show, I had the sponsorships, I had all of that stuff. But with that came, well, you can't talk about your chem sex addiction. You can't talk about being an abuser. You can't talk about being a junkie and homeless and blah, blah, blah. I couldn't talk about being in jail. Mm -hmm. And basically, I had to be censored to be able to receive this. I don't want anyone ever to tell me what I can and can't say. I will only allow God to do that. My wife won't do it, even though my wife has given me free reign to share whatever I want to share. I only answer to God. And I, I, there's no price that you, there's no check that you can write that I'll accept if I have to be censored. There's no. Well, way. look, I, I think you and I would both agree that truth is one thing. It's one thing. Mm. And, uh, you know, to me, it's a bell. It's just a bell that goes ding. 
in my head, you know? And then it's kind of like, okay, that sounds, that sounds about right. And I've checked some people that I thought were dead wrong sometimes. But what I also found is that they would weave little mini truths inside their little, you know, inside their thing. Like, first of all, who is going to believe that a 115-pound former porn sex worker girl, <laughs> first of all, with a, with a, with a criminal record, Take a gun with pe- with other people that have guns, and then go and kick in doors. Get everybody down, you know. Not like they're not like not like they're not armed in there, and they're told to absolutely protect this room with your life. And if you're alive, when people come and raid this room and it gets given up. Well, guess what? Guess what you're not going to be for very long <laughs> is alive. So, so then there was another girl who said that she was being tracked for the past several years by professional killers. And she's on her phone and on Instagram. <laughs> But she's being tracked by professional assassins. Now that you say it that way. I mean, are you kidding me? Well, because I've had the very unfortunate experience of understanding how assassins work up close and personal, you know, because because, you know, a friend of mine got out of jail and it took them two days to find him. So. Two days to find him. And then this she's on the run for years. And then another thing that she said was, oh, I just ran from the place that I was in. And I didn't tell anybody where it was because I'm scared of them. So basically, you left a bunch of people behind. You're, fi- you're scared for your life. You know, like, shut the fuck up. You know, stop. Like, stop. And then, and then, and then, and then this, this Jesse Zebatar with the... With the I was a, a, a <laughs> the queen, the queen dark mother, whatever dark mother of darkness, you know. Oh, Sarah's gonna love you. <laughs> oh my god, the queen, the queen mother of darkness. Are you kidding me? That sounds like a Ben and Jerry's Halloween flavor. Okay, queen mother of darkness. It's got peppermint patties. It's got all your Halloween candy in there. All right. It's got freaking, it's got, it's even, it's got everything. You got little pieces of Snickers bar, chocolate chip cookie dough. You have the Oreo cookies. Everything is in here. It is Halloween in a, in a thing. And it's the queen of, and it's all chocolate. Ergo, <laughs> queen of darkness. Oh my God. Limited edition. You know what exactly what I'm talking about if you eat Ben and Jerry's. And you know what? I don't care about Ben and Jerry's politics. I don't care about Jenny's politics, the one that even uh, Nancy Pelosi had in her fridge. I don't care <laughs> about that either. There's one, you, Do you know that there's one up the street from me? A Jenny's, like Jenny's Calabasas? Right oh, really? up the street. Oh, yeah. They'll scoop it out for you. It's delicious. I'd be, I would weigh 500 pounds. Ice cream oh, and donuts, man. man. Oh, Me too. Me Oof. too. 
and back in um, on the East Coast, when we would go down ashore, <laughs> down ashore for the summer, uh, in Atlantic City on the boardwalk, they had they would make these waffles and put ice cream in between them and make a waffle ice cream sandwich. Wow. Yeah, it's good. That would be such a popular food truck in the summer. Oh, I agree. I agree. Now, are you are you from? Were you born in New York or Jersey? Philly. Oh, you're a Philly. I'm a Philly kid. You know, this whole time I've gone, he reminds me of one of my really good friends when I went to college in Boca at FAU. I was friends with a dude from Philly. His dad was like one of the top guys at Verizon. That really sounds like you wear. That sounds like you wear golf shorts to class. Yeah, well, you just like you like play for through the, the classroom. <laughs> for yeah, exactly <laughs> that and club clothes. Uh, wow, that sounds nice. <laughs> rolling at eleven a.m. straight from club space. Yeah, I'm here for history class. Um, How old were you then? Man, twenty one. Oh, I just turned twenty one when I first moved to South Florida. What? Yeah, oh but anyway, my God. friend, he was the biggest freaking jerk and also the nicest human being. And and I saw so my impression of Philadelphia people are they're the nicest assholes on the planet. Absolutely. Which well terrible. But this guy True. would throw himself in front of a bus for you and he'd do anything for you. He's the first guy if the fight breaks out, he's jumping in front of everybody. But he's also the guy that's going to constantly bust your balls. Like we joke, we joke a little hard. Yeah, yeah, we joke a little hard. We bust balls, especially you know any kind of, uh, yeah, any Italians, anything like that. That's how you know. That's how I grew up. That's how I came up. And I, you know, I I grew up in a place where, you know, there were some days when I had to run to school. All right. Sure. So, and 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 it was confusing because I I I was never. I never had any, you know, being someone of, of mixed culture, you know, uh, and, and race myself, um, being Italian, Sicilian and Moroccan, those cultures are all very different. Very different, especially Moroccan being Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. That's thrown in there. That's where the Arabic and stuff comes from. Um, now that makes sense. So, you know, getting all these, different influences that we all have and, and come from and see and experience and these imprints that are made on us. And because like I said earlier, these people that, that I'm, I'm roasting them, I would never want them to have any harm brought to them. I'm not talking about that just because I say they're a grifter or mm-hmm. even if I t- call them a piece of shit, you know, or a fucking liar, it, it doesn't mean I want any harm to come to them, you know, like, that's what people don't get, right? They think that they're like them's fighting words. I'm like, nah, it's really just kind of commentary. <laughs> like, it's just like it is what it is. Yeah. Fighting words are, how about you pull up and I put my foot up your ass? You know, like those are that's fighting words. Anything yeah. else is 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 you know, debate and discussion. And if and and, and sometimes you got to floor it because I'm telling you, Josh. Sometimes people don't listen. They don't listen to things like now I see these influencers coming on and they're just like, they get on and they yell at you like yell. It's like, man, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do the yelling. I can move my hands a lot. That's fine. This is very good for the algorithm. (laughs) 
All right. But I'm Italian, so I always move my hands anyway. So this is great. I just let them loose. I don't have to keep them confined. Hey, I want to ask you about racism. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, right now, the white guy, white people are under attack. But but there, I want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that racism. <clears throat> I want to talk about the racism amongst the races of white people. Because growing up in Philly, you know, even spending time in Jersey, New York, you know, every, the way that everything is laid out from the way I understand it is that there's waste, racism amongst white people based on, well, I'm Italian, I'm Irish, I'm Jewish. Can you talk about that and what that's like? Yeah, I mean, especially being an Italian kid who grew up um, at one point, I was in an Italian neighborhood. And then I was in more of an Irish neighborhood. And that that right there, the Italians and the Irish, those are the biggest fights that ever happened. You know what I mean? Those are the those are the biggest fights that happened were between the Italian kids and the Irish kids when I was growing up. Because those are the first ones to, to mouth off. You know? And <laughs> And, you know, the Irish guys would, like, be drunk or whatever. And I remember the first, my first, my first fight with a bully that I confronted was with an Irish kid. And um, <laughs> so I'm standing there. His name was Stevie Halstead. Okay. And then his buddy was this real tiny kid who looked like Spanky and the freaking little rascals. He's like the little lollipop kid. You know what I mean? He's a little kid named this little, this little, this little buckshot kid named Mikey Fisher was next to him. And my Irish buddy, Mike O'Malley, was with me. And they called him Monk. That was his nickname. Monk, as in monkey. Because he looked like a fucking monkey. Okay. <laughs> And nobody tripped out about it back then. They called him Monk because it was short for monkey. It wasn't short for fucking Monk. He was an Irish kid. He had big ears. He had big ears and a round fucking head. We called him Monkey. Like, okay, like big deal. They called the guy from Corn Monkey. Nobody trips out about that. It's with a U. Okay, whatever. Yeah. That's a different story. But, you know, the point is, is back then, we also played a game called Smear the Queer. Yeah. You know? and my and, too. And yeah, and, and, and shows like All in the Family and the Jeffersons, and those could never be made today because never. of how sensitive people are to so many things. Blazing saddles. Never Shit, man. Hasn't anybody ever been punched in the fucking face before? Like, people are so soft. I, I really think that everybody, everybody should have to... Uh, well, anyway, let me just finish the story with uh, Mikey Fisher. <laughs> so anyway, Stevie's standing there, and he's like... And I'll do the Philly accent and everything, too. He's like, so go ahead. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Hit me. Punch me up there. Go ahead. Punch me. And I looked at my friend Mike. And he goes like this. <laughs> like that. And I look at him, and he wasn't expecting a left. Let's just say that. But I came across and I decked him. And then it was just a brawl, right? 
It was just red, white, and green, and whiskey, and red wine. I mean, it was Irish and Italian. It was just like this this brawl of Irish and Italian right there. It was crazy. But you know what? We were hanging out the same day. You know what I mean? We were hanging out the same day. It was like it was over. And that's the way life should be. Man, that's something. And you're right, because all the people that I'm closest to on this world, I have fought with. And I mean, it hasn't always been fistfights, but it's been dead, you know, pretty close. I mean, especially if it's an adult. And I've been in jail enough that I try to avoid fights now. Um, but Very unpleasant. Nah, it's, yeah, I don't need to go back. I don't know if I'd ever get out this time. Yeah. Um, but I, I have an appreciation for that, and we should be able to you know, be able to fight and then hang out later. And if we fight again, so be it, but Hmm. let it go. I don't know when that changed, but it seemed like it was overnight because it wasn't too long ago that I could punch my friends in the face and vice versa. And now you can't even call them a fart head (laughs) without that, that phrase that you just said, it seemed like it happened overnight. That's the point. Yeah. And that is the idea of any kind of persuasive technology or or um, what people would call the uh, the mockingbird media, the the hypnotic state of media Mm -hmm. that no one is um, immune to. But I believe you could build your immunity, right, which is very much like keeping your body healthy you must also do the same with your mind and your spirit and if you start to get down into these deep dark rabbit holes and looking into some 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 dark evil awful horrible you know and i'm just thinking like all of all the awful things that i've seen and people have sent to me and a lot of the stuff that I saw on the Chinese websites regarding not only Hunter Biden's laptop, but the cannibal uh, behavior of yeah. of a lot of uh, different cultures and, you know, those images yeah. of I don't even know what the I don't even know what to call them. You know what I mean? It's horrifying. Um the things also on Hunter's laptop of seeing, you know, those pictures of the auctions, right? Of the of the human auctions, and, and seeing oh, images like that. Oh. Yeah. And look, I go through like a Ukraine server to get into the Chinese. Like you, you, you know, like I am not looking for, or nor am I viewing any images of anything with uh with kids sex or anything i do not look at that stuff i have no interest in looking at it or seeing it i'm not an investigator for that field i'm not being paid to to uh, there is no fucking reason for me or anybody else to look at that stuff right you're right you're absolutely go, right and, even and to when you, if it's real right uh there are people that are investigators and professionals. First of all, it's illegal. And there's a reason it's illegal to even look at that shit, right? To even look for it. But when you go into some of these, you know, 
you know, chats and boards and things like that on some of these Chinese servers and everything, you just see some stuff that just comes whipping right by and you're like, no, thanks. You know, it's playing around it. Well, like for me, <clears throat> when I first got access to the dark web and I learned how to go down the, uh, what do you, what is that? Silk road with the original silk road. Jeez. Oh my God. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I can stop there. I don't need to go into it, and I because I also don't want to encourage people to look at it. Well, um, I had somebody, I had somebody uh, gone, killed. A new I had someone killed on the. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that you can do that. I know I you mean, can. I'm just joking. You see people for sale, and you can <laughs> hire your hitmans and everything. I anyway, I'm not. I going believe that those are those are setups. I don't believe that you really can do that. I know that people have reported and said that they could do this or that and the other, but I think a lot of the ones that are the hitmen ones, I think a lot of those are traps. Yeah, it does seem like yeah. that, doesn't it? Yeah. But you can see it there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can see it there and black tar heroin. I'm, I'm all, yeah, that I believe never... that the drugs are real. I don't believe, and the guns and all that stuff, I don't believe that the hitmen are real. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. think I don't think real professional freaking hitmen uh, are going to put their shit on that. There's, that's more of a word of mouth thing. <laughs> you know, this is like a family business. You know what I mean? My cousin Eddie knows somebody. Well, there's oh, an okay. old Sicilian adage that says, you know, three could keep a secret if two are dead. So if you said somebody to go do something <laughs> for you, you got to get rid of them too. I want to ask you something. Because um, I didn't know that you were part Moroccan too. Oh yeah, and and I know that that is primarily a Muslim, uh, you know, dominated uh, uh, nationality, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> but also, you grew up, you grew up, you grew up Catholic, Catholic. You know, being Italian and all that. That's primarily Catholic. Mm -hmm. Did you have Muslim and Catholic influences coming at you as a child to influence you, or how did no. all that play out? Because I know that you are ordained, and. Yeah. Uh, and I and I know that you grew up Catholic, but I didn't mm -hmm. know about the Muslim factor. There was none I of that all influence. That in your childhood. Yeah, there there was there was no Muslim influence when I grew up. It was mostly uh, Catholic uh, Catholic guilt and mm -hmm. friends of our family who were also Jewish. Um, oh. You know, so Italians and Jews get along great. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really kind of like very similar, very similar cultures in, in a lot of ways. They just call it different things, you know, food and guilt is, is essentially the, the roadmap for both cultures, uh, from a, you know, I'm joking, but, uh, not really, yeah. but you're kind <laughs> you of know? being serious too. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know that uh, a lot of my mom's friends were, were Jewish, but I also know that that, you know, my grandfather always told uh, everybody in the family and he was like, you know, that's like my my mom's side is not the side is is all the, the Italians. Right. It's my dad's side. That's more along, you know, the other, you know, like the, the Sicilian blood and things like that. That's what the sort of that came from. And it goes all the way down uh, the, um, you know, those 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 silk roads there you know that go through all the way through to israel right and you have some people you know that that when you look at the the dna breakdown you'll have some persian blood you'll have some some israeli some palestinian some egyptian you know some of those uh north african cusp all the way along those uh, those travel routes you know and and when you get into india 
And when you get into play, people don't realize that India is an Asian country, right? I always forget you know? that. You're right. Yeah. So th- th- that's an Asian country. And, um, you know, having all those different influences, people re- don't realize, I think, how, how quite how mixed they are um, in a lot of ways. And some of it's in very small percentages and mostly, but some people think that they're one thing and there's something else completely. And that's where a lot of that, that's where a lot of that confusion comes from is actually from the inbreeding that I was talking about, you know? So some of that confusion of, of where people are from and is, is, you know, a lot of those families that would come from other places and there would be a cousin involved and that, you know, so you're talking about people that would then travel off to other kingdoms, right? Because when, um, gosh, when, when the Spanish empire ruled during Charles, I mean, they controlled, they didn't just control, um, um, Spain, right? They, they controlled Austria. They controlled the Roman empire. They, Spain was it, you know? Spain controlled everything. And this crazy inbred man was in charge. <laughs> wow. Wait a second. So they, the Spanish empire had power over the Roman. Wait, so they weren't the Roman Catholic church then, correct? They ran the show, dude. They were in charge. Okay. They controlled Spain, Austria, the Ottoman empire, essentially, you know, all the all Germany and all that stuff like the Austria back then was just gigantic. Um, and the uh, the entire Roman Empire, they controlled it. The Spanish controlled it. And that's where and that at, back at that time, that's you know, that's where some of the relationships with the Vatican were really, you know, codified, so to speak. Since people have been hearing that name, that word a lot. Um you know, being codified. So putting all those different things together, you have an incredibly powerful individual being, you know, that, that Habsburg, they were called the Habsburg uh, family, right? So the Habsburgs, they were like the most influential of all the dynasties for hundreds of years, right? All the way up until the early 1900s. Like I said, Marie Antoinette was the last, um, was one of the last European monarchs, and she was a Habsburg. She was related to King Charles, the one with the jaw. Marie yeah. Antoinette. Yep. Let them eat cake, and and you know, Cleopatra also. And these people were not the you know they told their their painters and their artists and everything. You know, sometimes they kept like a real copy and like they did, they did like the one that they wanted. So you wouldn't see a lot of the actual portrayals of people like Tutankhamen or Cleopatra. Right. They would want that image to be saved of their regal, you know, made up, you know, propped up because a lot of these people, I mean, back to Henry VIII, even, you know, these people couldn't stand. Right. Henry VIII had to be put on a horse on a fucking crane. You know, so so these people, these these qualities are qualities of inbreeding. How you are this- you're you're like you're like a tall, blue eyed Viking looking motherfucker. So ain't nothing wrong with ain't nothing wrong with you. 
<laughs> Except up here. But that's yeah, typical. Yeah. That's typical. <laughs> All right, I'm a little crazy. Um, so wait a second. So how okay. did in if with if if all of I know that inbreeding is bad, I've seen enough carnies in my day. Um <clears throat> but how did it survive and keep going if there were all, if they were having that many de- defects and these health issues where they couldn't stand up? How did this keep going? Like at what point do they go? Hey, this inbreeding stuff is not working out. So let's try the, the maid. Let's just we'll, we'll bring her in instead. Well, like, I, you know, that's a great question. And I'm going to say within the last hundred years. So people were, you know, and people still do it. People still inbreed. I mean, there's 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 famous American inbreeding families that have certain conditions that that make their skin blue, that make their urine blue, that that give them organ failure, uh, scoliosis, their jaw and their faces are all you know overhead lobes in the you know. If someone's got a protruding feature of some kind, it's usually <laughs> a sign of inbreeding. So they're no not offense. reptilians. Mm. That's a different story. <laughs> I mean, could there be some alien influence that are hybrid beings? Absolutely. There's a lot of stories and evidence and, and people that uh, were reportedly in those places. Your, your Bill Coopers, you know, your people like this. That Wait, were actually, as in Pell Horse Bill Cooper? Yeah. You know, people that uh, uh, your, your, your people that, um, you know, um, Phil... I've done a bunch of videos on the guy. Anyway, my um, Phil is shit. I can't remember his last name. Anyway, you can go on my channel and see a bunch of videos. Yeah, you can see a bunch of videos about him. Uh, But, you know, people that have gone and worked in these places and and died soon after. This is these are some of the whistleblowers that have come out and talked about some of this stuff. I personally feel like when I was a kid, I had an encounter of my own, which which I tend to believe um, some of the things that are said. I've I had several encounters with with several different things. I you know, growing up in Pennsylvania and then back and forth to Italy and just the weird people that were around for some reason. It's just like it got so weird, man, you know, and. uh you know, seeing, I just remember going, we were on this, it was like a church overnight, right? Like a church. Like fall camp. Street. Like camp, like summer camp, but church summer camp. Yeah. Where everyone right. had got saved and had sex. Yeah. Right. So anyway, you're laying down and like the counselors come out and we were real little then. We must have been six or seven. And the counselors come out and they're like, don't open your eyes or the dancing monkeys will come pluck your eyes out. And then they go and they do this on your chest in the middle of the night. These fucked up people. (laughs) (laughs) Go do all this demented stuff, you know, do all this demented stuff. The kids at camp. But (laughs) there they had this. There there was the legend of Hatchet Man. Yeah. Hatchet Man. He was out there in the woods. You had a hatchet man too? Yeah, and Bloody Mary. Yeah, and then Candyman came out when I was in high school. 
It was already too late to fool me by then, by Candyman time. But <laughs> goddamn, did they get me with? Did they get me with Hatchet Man? They got me, got him. But then uh, we walked, and and I remember one time it was, and we kind of snuck away. Me and this other kid snuck away. We were like looking, and we go over in the woods, and we sneak, and we walk into what looks to me like the counselors are doing like a fucking like a ritual around the fire like there's robes there's torches there's a circle you know and we come and look up over the thing and it's just like we start to just sort of look and peek over this thing and something like slips or falls and then we got chased uh, by all these people and they just, we were too fast, you know, but we got chased through the woods. We just, choo, 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 choo. and they never figured out who we were. We got back to our sleeping bags and never said a word, you know, but there was like some, some shit going on, like right near the kid's camp, like in the woods right there. That couldn't have been more than, I mean, I felt like we went 10 miles. It was probably 200 yards. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> just from the perspective of being a child at the time. And running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? When did you move to LA? Like what, like did you go and then pick up music? Did you pick up music then go? How did all that work? Uh, I came out because, uh, you know, we basically got, um, you know, there's just a uh, record deals on the table and, and, and things that uh, had to do with writing songs and being, uh, you know, being an actor and, you know, all these agents and things like that. I had had some experience and some, had started to build a resume as far as doing some acting work, some commercials, um, some television, then got out to LA and was cast in, um, an NBC network show and got to work with some really great people. Um, you know, there were a couple Emmys involved in this whole process. Then I started to, um, you know, just have bands. I always had a band. I've had a band since I was like, we played at the, my band played at like the sixth grade, you know, whatever fair, you know, the school fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we played there when I was in sixth grade. We did like a, we did like a, a Who song and we did a Van Halen song and then we did like this instrumental original. <laughs> instrumental original. <laughs> I had, I had parachute pants. Of course you did. And I had bandanas tied around my ankles a la Rod Stewart. I just basically copied Rod Stewart, one of Rod Stewart's looks. That is not, when I picture Tony the rock star, I'm not picturing Rod Stewart at all. Humble beginnings, bro. Humble <laughs> beginnings. Humble beginnings. Who knew? Yeah, we went out, we played Jump by Van Halen. We played Baba O'Reilly. By the Who, and I forget what the what the Space Jam was called, but it was uh, was three guys. I was playing guitar. Rob Reithmuller was playing bass. Was his name? Um, and we were in sixth grade. This kid was like seven feet tall already. He was the bass player. Then there was Jimmy. He was like Spanish and Jewish. His name, his name was like Jimmy Levin. 
right? But he was like a dark Spanish kid with his Jewish name at a Catholic school. <laughs> but he was the drummer. And and Gavin Bray was on the keyboards. That was my band, bro. Look them up. Wonder what happened to them. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Where Gavin are they was now? like the rich kid. We always practiced at his house because it was like a seriously dude. This place was like um it was like like um like Batman's house. Nice. All stone with long driveway. Oh man. Mm-hmm. In LA? No, back in Pennsylvania it was like a Oh, castle. okay. Hmm. Man. So you go out to LA and what it when you first when you saw your first contract, what was that experience like? Um well at the time I felt like it was owed to me. So I was like, it's about time. Fuckers, where have you been? <laughs> so it started like that. And then <laughs> And then um, it just sort of went to okay. We're, we're we are now go. We are now in a different realm. And when you know going into a network thing and being flown somewhere, you know, oh, yeah. uh, being flown across the country for a for a for a test to be filmed for like a test. Wow. They fly across the country, put you up in pretty much whatever hotel you want to stay in, right? Um, Whenever I've, I would fly to New York, I would stay at the Mayflower on Central Park West. That was my favorite. It was an old school hotel. And there was like this suite, this junior suite that I would stay in, like right on like the fifth floor and overlooked the park. It was just beautiful. Right? Always loved to take a trip there. And, uh, you know, being in those offices and seeing those people and, you know, it was quite... Um, a different world because then I realized that people were paying for my artistic ability. You know what I mean? I was like, how much? (laughs) What? (laughs) And and then you look at that and you're like, well, okay, that's very interesting. That's very intriguing. And then you show up on the set of something, you know, where there's someone known and there's something when you're totally unknown. I mean, you go into a place where people are known. You're like, wow, look at this. And you're in the makeup trailer with them. And, you know, I worked on Dead Poet Society and I worked on a lot of films, you know. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, I worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Man, dude, I worked on a lot of movies, dude. And uh, when you start to interact and, and meet a lot of these people, you start to realize some of these motherfuckers are crazy. <laughs> some of them are absolutely certifiably crazy. And, uh, you know, then moving on through getting, you know, different gigs and doing voice work and, you know, then doing a, the stuff with, you know, when I got to be on stage with Sinatra and then work with, with Carol O'Connor and, and be on, a network TV show it was just, it was wild, man. It was really wild. And then, and then, but, but you got to understand that that becomes the, the bait for the, for the chase, you know, now you're after the high, you've already experienced it. You've gotten that first hit. 
right? And just like a narcotic, no matter what you get, no matter how big it is, it's never like that first one. Never, ever. Which is quite the mind F because, you know, you you think common sense would kick in and go, well, it's never going to be as good. You should walk away. But no, no, we're just going to double up and do more. You got to. <laughs> I mean, when you're learning and, yeah. and these are the lessons of life, I mean, what better way to do it? You know, when did you finally quit? You mean retire? Well, no, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase it. What are we I, talking I about here? Because I quit and retired a lot of things. Too. Yeah. Uh, a couple years ago. Quit drugs a couple years ago. What made you quit? I was falling up the stairs. If that makes sense, I had, I had actually gotten to the point where I had I was so wasted and I was so buried. I was burying my trauma, trying to avoid it mm. because, you know, uh, my father died. My uncle died. The girl left, you know, the business partner, the fucking. I lost everything. Right. And I was thinking that drinking was going to do something about it. Well, I didn't lose everything. I still have the business and stuff because it's in my control. But, you know, when you're dealing with uh, business partners that are out to fucking screw you, right, and try and get everything for themselves instead of keeping the deal that, the, you know, that's not that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And when people, you know, start to change and, and, and you know, and, and you'll see it. You'll see it in life. You'll see people change. And I always learned that money doesn't change you. It amplifies you. It reveals you. Right? So, you know, that being said, I try and just keep my head on straight and uh, try and do the next right thing, whatever that is, and how it's put in front of me. And I just try and bring a little bit of light to, you know, this dark, insane place. It's as beautiful as you make it and perceive it. Right. Because we, we certainly all, you know, can live a beautiful life depending on how we feel about it. Even, even if you have difficult look, Life is not all pancakes and blowjobs, right? It's just not. Yeah. And and if you and if you can get to that point where you understand what's going on around you and you understand who you are and you're honest with yourself, then that radar will turn on because truth is like a vibration, you know? Hmm. And once you understand what that frequency is, you understand it on a deeper level. It's not just what you hear. It's like what comes off of somebody. How their words might be something different than what they said before. Why? Right? This is critical thinking. Critical thinking is understanding that I need to understand how flawed I am, right? In order to be able to receive the information. There can be no arrogance 
or repudiation of any kind in me observing something. Yeah. You know, I just need to keep my mind quiet. Quiet enough so that I'm not jumping to any conclusions and that I'm not judging somebody else. But I'll ask some questions. You do a good job of that. Yeah. And and we and 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 all the people that we look to, we have to ask questions about them. We can't just blindly follow anybody. Right? We can't just blindly follow anybody. Because when you blindly follow someone else, you're going to lose yourself. You know what? And you, and I, <clears throat> to your point, us trying to help the people that we thought were doing a good work, you're right. We had invested in this lie. And with that, the consequences of it, other than heartbreak and like, thought we had a friend and you know somebody that I looked I could relate to because we you know, speaking of Madison like so much of the story was similar to mine or there was enough parallels that it was like oh I can relate to this I understand and um but got caught up in that but after it was over I gotta be honest with you man it took like two weeks to finally start to have confidence in just myself because well, it's, it's, I lost that's my sunk way, cost fallacy, lost Josh. my identity. Yeah. And because I, I put faith in something. I should have kept my faith in God and only God, period. But I, you know, we got caught up. And, you, and sunk, what you just said was perfect. Yeah. I mean, look, sunk cost fallacy is when you invest. It's not just money. It can be money. You know, sunk cost, it's originated in the concept of money, but it can be in an in a ideology. If you've invested time, and especially and if you've invested money, then you are looking at a situation where um, your your judgment is biased because you have mm -hmm. invested in that. Now your subconscious wants to protect you from it. So then you're you're blocking from 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 trying to protect yourself. You're actually blocking yourself. Yeah. Okay. So. So the boundaries that we put up need to have some kind of receptive mesh that we could extract different energies from yeah. to have understanding of where, you know, of where people are coming from. Even the most screamy, crazy people that are out there, right? Because we all have to be on this planet together, you know? I have no problem with going and interviewing, you know, uh, the guy from the, I've asked the guy from the church of Satan to come and talk. He don't want to talk to me. I asked some people want to come talk. Some people don't. It just is what it is. It's a game of numbers, man. <laughs> you know, you just keep, you just keep asking. Look, the way I do interviews is the way I used to hit on girls. Okay. <laughs> Eventually someone's coming home with me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea where you were going with that. Thank you. Good night. I listened to your interviews and I, mean, I haven't heard all of them, but I've heard like probably five of them. And I'm going, where is he going with this? Hmm. I, you know, I just want to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you, I just go, I just talk to people who I'm interested in talking to and then hearing what their points of view are. And, you know, this one was like a real casual conversation and we touched on a lot of stuff, but 
you know, you're going to come on to uh, Leader of the Bad, and you're going to come on to my show too. So we'll cover yeah. a lot of ground. Um, you know, and if something ever comes up, you come on. Uh, you come on to one of my live streams. You know what? You're. I would do this with you. You. Uh, I mean, anytime. Like this has been fun for me, yeah. and I mean, honestly, we could probably keep talking. But for the sake of the audience, let's wind this down and we'll do it again. But Tony, okay. I, uh, dude, I'm I'm serious. I meant what I said in the beginning. I'm glad that we met and I've learned a lot from you and, you know, and you've helped me get better at this because again, and you, you, you said something in a private message to me, you know, about meaning well and leading with our heart. And like sometimes our, uh, the lack of healthy fear is our worst enemy because mm -hmm. we'll just, I mean, we just kind of lead with our heart with everything we yep. do, my wife and I. But I, I, because I have, I have learned a ton from you, and um, but I, and more importantly, I just I love our talks, and I, oh, I consider sure. you a friend, and I'm grateful, man. I really am. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, I want to thank your audience, and uh, and you know, hopefully, uh, everybody will come and check out the link tree that I think you're going to have up to catch yeah. my socials and follow my YouTube and see oh, my yeah. videos and all that good stuff. Oh yeah. Livemana.com. I'll have, I'm going to have everything uh, for people to come find you, your YouTube channel, your social media, all of your platforms, even your rock fin. And yeah, it's um, all in that link tree. So it just makes yeah. it real easy. I love it. Oh, yeah, sure. I love link tree. That's such a so great, great, <laughs> great piece of technology. Well, Tony, thank you, my man. Uh, I really appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon, brother. Thanks so much. See you, brother. Freaking Tony D. I don't – we – okay, I'm going to go – just give you a little what we talked about. Uh, John Hinckley Jr., JFK, inbreeding, biolabs, the DuPonts, satanic royalty, addiction, uh, racism <laughs> amongst white people. <laughs> Master P, the music business, human auctions, critical thinking, and so much more. Holy geez. Like we went down it. This is why I, I've like, I usually know and have some idea what we're going to talk about, but I promise you, I could have him on every single day in every conversation would be just as schizophrenic as that one. But I loved it. And I hope you did too. Thank you for being here. And you guys go support Tony. I'm telling you, I don't care. It, some captivating interviews, and and it's not you can't pigeonhole him into one category, kind of like you can't do me, because we'll talk to anybody. He tried to talk to the Church of Satan. Well, I've had witches on. Same thing. You know why? We need to have these conversations. They're uncomfortable sometimes. Sometimes they're enlightening. Sometimes they're inspiring. But we have to have conversations with people that think differently than us. How else are we going to learn? I don't want to live in an echo chamber. Anyway, God bless Tony. And if you are somebody that follows Tony and you're watching for the first time, thank you for being here. God bless you too. Take care. See you soon.